0: are listening to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick, paediatric doctor turned weight loss coach. I help busy, ambitious mums overcome the frustration of not losing weight. I teach them to eat and live healthily, to look after themselves and feel fit and fabulous. If you want to lose weight by eating healthily, I invite you to sign up for my free roadmap. Three easy steps to weight loss for busy mums. Just go to my website, That's D R. O-R-L-E-N-A dot com, and you'll find it on the homepage and in the sidebar. If you're interested in working with me as a weight loss coach, you can find out more and book a chat by going to the coaching tab. I also have a healthy recipe service, My Kitchen Miracles, that I created for my clients and have now opened up for everyone healthy recipes that will support your weight loss goals and provide your family with healthy, tasty foods. You can find out more in the My Kitchen Miracles tab. Hello and welcome back to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. This is the second half of an interview that I did with Dr. Stephanie Fain. So I recommend you go back and listen to part one first if you have not already done so. And we are chatting about weight loss and maintenance, metabolism, the hunger scale, all really juicy, important stuff. You can find Dr. Stephanie Fain at Stephanie Fain, md.com. and she has a quiz which is finding out your maintenance type right let's dive back in okay yeah. and what about midlife middleweight it happens to so many of us and you know i see this in women who have had children and then they put on a little bit extra and then they don't lose it but also we see it in men as well so what's going on there
1: so this is it's a it's a similar idea with the with the change in um, makeup of fat and muscle. So something called sarcopenia, which is a medical term, but what it really means is age-related muscle loss. And by the time you're 40, all of us, all of us, are losing one percent of our muscle mass every year. One percent. That's doing nothing. That's that's that just happens due to age. Um, Even if you're exercising. Well. So here's, here's the idea. If you're exercising, you're maintaining that muscle, like if you're walking. If, however, you are doing resistance training, which is, this is one of the reasons I find it so amazingly important, you are building muscle. Depending on how much you're doing, you may just be building to maintain or building extra.
0: And when but, you say resistance trai- training, what do you mean by yes. that?
1: So resistance training is any force against pressure, so uh, yoga, Pilates, bands, um, certainly um, weights—you know, like uh, mm-hmm. dumbbells and that sort of thing.
0: What about uh, swimming? Push up, we say again. Swimming. What about swimming?
1: Swimming. Um, I will say no, but I understand why you're saying that because you are pushing against resistance. It's it's through that, so it would have a little more, but it's not going to be what you need. For that, for what I'm talking about in terms of building, building muscle that you're losing no matter what they've done, they've, there's bunches of studies out there because I find this to be fascinating. And not only that, I don't know if some of your listeners have been through this, but parents who are ill and, um, never kept up, you know, like frail, older women in particular, you know, that vision of Mm -hmm. a, a woman who's sort of, you know, that. If you kept up your muscle with resistance training, your quality of life is so improved that not only for yourself, but for your family too, because caring for someone who is very, very weak and just gets weaker, it is so challenging. It is just such a difficult thing that I am on a soapbox about twice. It it has to be twice a week resistance training. It doesn't have to be for for hours and hours.
0: And when, so just clarifying, when you say resistance training, resistance training sounds really like hard work. But actually, you're just talking about doing some yoga. So it could just be they go to a yoga class twice a week. Absolutely. Yoga class twice a
1: week is amazing. That would be fantastic. And you see why it's resistance because you're, you know, all those different positions you're holding. These are, these are, your muscles are really working. It's the same with Pilates with and with bands. You know, those rubber bands, I, I don't know if they, if you've seen yeah. them, you know, they're different colors and they have different resistance. You're pulling. So they have videos for that any and that could be 10 20 minutes and like i said it's 1% a year so by doing this you could just be replacing that 1% and if you're really interested in you know michelle obama arms you know you can go <laughs> as long as you want but but the but the main thing is to have it in your habit in your toolbox for your for the health and quality of your life
0: i'm going to have to up my yoga i only go once a week <laughs>
1: I know. I just I, it started. And when I did this, I started in uh, the summer, and I'm like, oh. So I added that too. It, it makes it is such a difference. I cannot in terms of quality of life. Oh, it's like night and day. Oh, and by the way, so that's the point. If you eat exactly the same amount of calories from your 30s through your 60s, you will gain fat, and it will be in your center, in your belly. Um, even if you weigh exactly the same. And that's because of this muscle loss. So eating the same, but you have your metabolism is less because you're losing muscle. So then you're slowly gaining fat. And this is what happens. You know, people will gain a pound in a year. That does not seem like the end of the universe. But after 10 years, you have 10 pounds that you didn't want on. And so that's the that's the piece about it. If we keep up our muscle mass and eat the same then we're in much better position than
0: So what world. about all these women that we see who are quite stick like going into old age?
1: Yes. So they're usually they have no muscle. They have very little muscle. Their muscle has gone. Now, and their their appetite is changed, their habits could be different. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that you know and there's risk of osteoporosis for that sort of thing Um, but it's often that that frailty will be from lack of muscle and it's been decades of losing muscle I mean not that you can't get it back you could start I I read articles about 80 year olds starting and they got strength back and muscle I mean it's amazing
0: so just let's recap on metabolism can you just sum it up before we move on to hunger can you sum up Your thoughts on metabolism? Yes. Or rather, what's the best way for people to lose weight? Perhaps that's a better question. Okay. So the well,
1: the one thing about metabolism I will want to highlight again is that a lot of it is not under your control, and so knowing that means that you have to sort of accept the hand you're dealt. Learn what your what how much your body burns, and then you can eat to that. Because for weight loss calories in is the main place you're going to be able to have control not so much calories out
0: eat the vegetables it's all about the vegetables
1: <laughs> oh it really is
0: well that and that gets us to the hunger right
1: so if you have if you've learned about your body and you learned that you can that your body burns 1500 calories and every day and you are and that's with With the things you do around the house, you know, you take, if you take your kids to the thing and you do like whatever you're doing around the house, your body burns 1,500 calories. You now know that you can eat 1,500 calories and keep the weight where you are right now. If you wanted to lose, you'd have to eat less. Now, I wouldn't recommend eating, you know, 700 calories to try to lose it quickly. It's it's the acceptance of I can eat. what, What can I eat without being too hungry? So I do not recommend people starve themselves if they're hungry they should eat it's then the question of what are you eating and we talked about calorie dense foods those are not the foods to eat the ones that you just said vegetables uh protein fiber are the ones that will keep you satisfied and have fewer calories so that you can meet the goals you want to to lose weight and keep it off
0: and talking about calorie dense foods and i read quite a lot about this so i don't know what your thoughts are but looking at fats to help you feel full up and you know i think now we're beginning to see that you know a low-fat diet is not a good diet and that actually quite a lot of fats are beneficial i've been reading a book recently called always hungry by i can't remember his name um but he talks about insulin resistance and i know we haven't really gone into insulin resistance right now but you know he, he uses fat to help people feel satisfied I think really with their vegetables
1: yes and that, and that's a great idea so um, certainly if you're eating meat uh, and when I say meat I mean chicken fish you know any any of that kind of protein you're getting fat with it so I agree with you it's not fat is not evil and purposely trying to have no fat in your diet I, I don't generally recommend but but also purposely eating lots of fat, you know, like in the Atkins kind of thing, is also something I don't think makes a lot of sense. There are um, – there could be cholesterol issues and, more importantly, like literally globs. Uh, there's um, – this was so long ago, I can't even tell you, but there was a, a, a movie that the man ate um, McDonald's. So this is actually before the super me. Me. He, he had his blood taken. He ate McDonald's meal. He had his blood taken again, and you could see the fat. I mean, it was unbelievable. So like, the fat transport is an important issue that way, like in terms of um, eating fat. So I don't curb fat, but I also don't say make sure you have a ton of it in there. But avocados are amazing, and to me what I do is look at the calories. How many calories do you want in your day? How much do you like avocado? How much are you going to have in your salad?
0: And olive oil. Olive oil as well is another yeah. amazing one. And yeah. um, so I did a podcast on this, on the PrediMed study. And in that, they actually used four tablespoons of olive oil a day. Wow. So they, they, yeah, it's quite a lot, actually. It's quite amazing. Yeah. But they still lost weight. That was olive oil. That was um, all olive oil. And here, and it was done in Spain. And here in Spain, people yes. use olive oil as other countries would use butter so you know you would it's just on the table here um yeah but it is quite a lot and they still lost weight compared to a low-fat diet um which i think is interesting and well i bet
1: they were more satisfied they probably yeah exactly
0: and i have started eating more olive oil since i've really read that and you know i think i think it's an interesting thing i never ate a low-fat diet but i think subconsciously, there's always been this idea that, oh, even though it's olive oil, you know, I only have a small bit of salad dressing. But now I am more generous with my salad dressing. Not to say that I've gone so far as to, you know, eat an Atkins-style diet, but just liberated the the oils a little bit more. Um,
1: Have you? Do you think you've eaten less other food as you've upped? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are you
0: finishing um, sooner or...? It's difficult to say my diet is mostly vegetables. So, you know, I also think the thing about if you're eating lots of vegetables and you do overeat a little bit of vegetables, well, really, you know, if you overeat a packet of cookies, you've overeaten a lot of calories. If you've overeaten exactly. a few carrots, then what's the difference? And right. I'm quite active, so I probably burn it off. Absolutely. Anyhow.
1: That's, that's, so what I call that for those of us who need volume, volume eaters, we need, we need to feel The food that we're eating that we, you know, to feel full, that's part of the hunger scale, where you are, how full you're feeling. And the way to get there and not have too many calories is exactly what you're saying with, with the vegetables. That's the way to do it. So I agree. I never limit people's vegetables. I never say, you must have a cup of this. And like, if you're eating vegetables, eat them.
0: (laughs) Okay. How (laughs) about it? (laughs) I'm thinking of renaming the podcast. It's all about the vegetables. So let's tell us about hunger and the different types of hunger and the hunger scale. Yes. So one of the ways,
1: and this comes from um, intuitive eating ideas, but uh, the idea that uh, hunger has a scale, and I, my there's many scales out there, and the one that I use is negative five. Means you're empty. You have zero energy. You are tired, cranky. You're in pain physically from being hungry. And then five through, to, through zero, all the way to five. Five is stuffed. Like in America, we talk about Thanksgiving. Like just in, like undoing your pants, painfully full. The the idea then, the reason for the scale is to then understand negative two and two. That's the place we want to live. We want to live. Between negative two and two. Negative two is just hungry. You're, you recognize hunger and then you eat to it, but only to two, which would be satisfied, not full. And getting in the habit of not feeling full, certainly, or very full, or certainly not stuffed is an important habit for a lot of people to change because often they'll only stop once they feel a certain way, and often that is too full. And the reason why that's a problem is simply that you're taking in too many calories. That, so that's, that's really the problem with it, besides that it's uncomfortable. And so that's, that's the important piece of the scale. Sometimes for people who aren't connected to this sort of thing, it's a hard thing to figure out what the numbers mean. And you're the only one that can do it for yourself. You know, you have to start figuring that out. And you start figuring it out by asking yourself at random times in the day, what, what am I right now? What number am I right now? And you start cluing into that. And then learning how to stop when satisfied is, for some people, like the skill of, the, of life.
0: But so how do people tell the difference between bored hunger or... Oh, yeah, emotional hunger.
1: So the way that I do it with this scale is that I get people to practice labeling with numbers their hunger. So if they're noticing that it's, they want to eat... Looking at it in context, did I just eat? You know, am I, I mean, could it be that I'm physically hungry? You know, I remember doing this with my babies when they were babies. Like if they're crying, you you go through the list, you know, dirty, bored, hungry, you know, what what is the issue? If they have just eaten, it's it's not hunger. And that's the same for you. So looking at the context of your hunger, and then if you've recently eaten, you know it's not a physical hunger. That way you start investigating the emotional hunger, the, any emotional hunger. Are you bored? Are you lonely? Are you angry? Are you happy? Are you what what is it? And and then getting to the point where you don't feed emotion. You only feed physical hunger.
0: Fabulous. And the other thing I just wanted to add to that with the hunger, when you talk about minus two to plus two, I think there are certain foods that trick us a little bit like example drinks with calories in them because your body doesn't recognize those calories like if I think about when I've had a really I don't know a chocolate pudding or something which has say if it's a small portion let's say 200 calories which is about the amount of calories in a can of fizzy drink when I've had that dessert I think wow I've eaten something I don't drink Coca-Cola anymore. I'm not allowed to say that word I don't drink (laughs) fizzy drinks anymore um but um yeah when I did you don't have that same satisfaction. You can drink and drink and drink it.
1: Yes. That actually happens with alcohol. There's a phenomenon with people who have the bariatric surgery. And, you know, you have a much smaller pouch for food. Mm-hmm. And what some people will discover is they can drink a lot. Um, and so they will often drink alcoholic beverages. And it real, there ends, can end up being a sort of different addiction problem there. Um, but say, that will happen with milkshakes and those sorts of things, too. So you're absolutely right that with fluid, fluid does not behave the same way as, um, again, protein or fiber. And when I say fiber, I'm talking about, you know, like an apple or vegetables, which you can see physically takes up more room and and satisfies the hunger. You, you get, except except strangely soup.
0: Full. Do you think soup – I always find that soup is quite satisfying. Well,
1: I think that that has to do with temperature, actually. And if you're – if you are talking about a broth versus something that's a little thicker certainly like a lentil something heavy like that um will be different and it and it acts in your body differently so a milkshake melts in you know 98.6 temperature of your body but a soup that's already warm won't you know so it, it can act slightly differently it's a good question i don't know in ter- you know i don't know any science around um temperature but that's intuitively what it <laughs> I,
0: I guess as well, as you say, soups are sort of come in different forms and it does depend yeah. what the soup has in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Whether it has yes. fibre and I, I actually think a little bit of fat in a soup makes it feel more satisfying as well. Absolutely, absolutely does. Yeah. Fabulous. Any last points on either metabolism or the hunger scale? I feel like we covered a whole bunch of
1: stuff. It's it's interesting to me how they relate to each other um, because the goal is to satisfy hunger, so to not be hungry in the whole day, and to stay within the limits of your own metabolism. Those are the two pieces that end up being important, which is why the answer invariably is protein and fiber. <laughs> and I mean, It's like if you have metabolism and you have your hunger then the only answer is making wise choices um in terms of food that you know sort of is not processed um because it's the best bang for your buck it, it it ends up being able to satisfy you and keep your weight at a place you'd like
0: yes yes well i guess going back to that hunger scale that processed food is another thing that kind of tricks you percent uh, well. absolutely
1: right yes you can because you can eat all those cookies before your body's like, oh, actually, there's a bunch of food in here <laughs> because yes. it, it's it's processed down. So yeah, absolutely, yes. Processed food is it will not register as as quickly. I mean, all food takes a little time to register, but processed food will take longer to register than.
0: Um, and even know, even processed flour. I've been I was making pancakes yeah. the other day, and I put in some peanut. Um, powder some peanut flour and when you look at it compared to refined white flour I still haven't managed to get my kids off entirely refined white flour yet but so I mixed it up but when you look at them together you can see that they just look like such different things and that the white flour is so fine whereas the peanut flour is much more there hardy hardy yes that's a good
1: word. yeah yeah And, it's, and, and that's how it functions in your body. It, it really is. So there's, um, uh, I don't know if you know Susan Pierce Thompson, but she likens processed flour and sugar to like any processed white powder. So cocaine is a processed white powder, and heroin is a processed white powder, and sugar is a processed white powder, and flour is a processed white powder. You're, you're processing out a lot of, and you're, you're intensifying it. So it's it, it is it's fascinating. Processing really does change things and give us all
0: a big dopamine hit. Yes, you're right. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank oh, you, thank you. There you go. Thank you once again, Stephanie. It was a pleasure talking to you and thank you for your pearls of wisdom. Really valuable information for us all. Remember, you can find out more about Dr. Stephanie at stephaniefainemd.com. And she has a quiz that you can sign up for to find out your maintenance time. Bye bye and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Fit and Fabulous. Remember to sign up for the free handout, Three Easy Steps to Weight Loss for Busy Mums. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd be super grateful if you could help me grow my podcast by telling a friend about it. Have a lovely day and see you next week. Bye bye.